Uh, so it's almost like five different things you can consider before you're even on the run as a yeah. type one diabetic running. Yeah. following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. What is up everyone and welcome to the Diabetes Podcast where we discuss how to take control of your health and gain the freedom to live the life that you deserve. I'm Gary Pano, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Grady Donahoe, who is a board-certified chiropractic internist. Hello, diabetes. Welcome back. On this episode, we're going to be talking about running. And running is one thing that um, initially when I met Garrett, we both despised. We absolutely hated it. And um, never really liked running. But in the last couple of years, um, we've both kind of developed a a more positive relationship with running. Uh, (laughs) And I think it mostly started off when Garrett decided he wanted to do a marathon. Mm. Yeah, and so I'm I'm sure that was really difficult because I mean it's just a way a lot different form of exercise because me and Garrett are meatheads for the most part, so we like lifting <laughs> and and training in that in that um, arena. But uh, running is a much different thing, both metabolically and mentally and all that stuff. So um, I want to ask Garrett, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced when you first started running? Oh man. Uh, yeah. But like you said, definitely not a runner by design or coming into chiropractic school. Um, had some, some friends that were already pretty big into running, uh, mainly my good friend, Drew Dawson and our good friend, Dr. Sam Brish, uh, mm-hmm. were positive influences on me, uh, when I began my running journey. Um, but yeah, managing blood sugar and running is hard, man. Um, we were kind of talking about before, you know, we even start recording this episode, that it's it's almost like its own different science uh, mm-hmm. compared to other kind of working out lifting and hit workouts and it's exciting for us because we haven't had we haven't discussed blood sugar and working out at all um, and different types of running can also affect blood sugar differently too so I think especially starting out the hardest thing was increase doing distances and trying getting used to just catching my breath and and moving my body without (laughs) being able to breathe and thinking about my blood sugar um, and, and trying to carry a meter with me or trying to catch it like at the end and predict what it's going to do. And before I had a constant glucose monitor, it was hard to run. I mean, I still did. And I know you still did Mm -hmm. um, because it's like you check it before you check it after, but we talk about the data all the time. There was no data in between. Yeah, big old I, gap there. Yeah, there's, and that gap is really, really important. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that happen in that gap. So by far, it was just 
at least when it came to just getting started was what the heck is actually happening? Why does my blood sugar spike up afterwards? Why is it dropping low afterwards? Why is it, why am I dropping low sometimes during it and going high during it? Well, I didn't know I was going high without a CGM, but now I do know when I go high. Um, but yeah, when you run, you can, your blood sugar can spike high as a type one, it can spike high. And this, most of this conversation will be about type one. It can go high, it can go low, um, it can stabilize, it can fluctuate um, depending on your insulin methods. Because we talked about with fasting before, you still need insulin in the background, even if you're not eating for the most part, mm-hmm. right? And you still need insulin in the background um, for for even running. I, I learned that the hard way when I ran my first marathon, I freaked <laughs> out and I just took off my pump completely. Oh and, my gosh. And um, <laughs> I'll, I'll maybe elaborate on that a little bit, you know, a couple minutes from now, but, so, and, and so taking off my, I needed insulin during that time. And that was not a good, that was not a good run mm-hmm. <laughs> without my pump for that long. So by far the hardest part was just understanding what my blood sugar was doing while I was running for sure. Mm-hmm. And then getting over the fear of I've never ran before. Is this something I can even do? Yeah. But, um, yeah. So when you first started off running, how mm-hmm. long were you going like when you first started? So uh, when I first started running, I think it was like three, anywhere from two, like anyway, I guess one mile to like three miles, I think. That was always my thought. Okay. Uh, I started getting into running as just a, as a cardiovascular thing, fit, fitness. I was yeah. like, I should probably run. Like, you know, I'm getting, getting kind of chunky. Um, you know, got the good like power lifter <laughs> type body. And yeah. so, which I didn't necessarily want. Um, and so that's kind of why I started originally, you know, three and a half years ago, whatever it was. Um, but I really didn't think that I could get into running. It was, this was my first term in chiropractic school. And I was, it was like three thirty in the morning or something like that. Cause that's the best time to go for a run. It's not. Um, and I didn't have my glasses on for some reason because that was great. So to paint the picture more clearly, it's December. <laughs> it's it's like 3.30 in the morning. Don't have my glasses on. Don't have a CGM. And it's supposed to be a three-mile run. And it's in, because it's December, I have finals. It's actually finals week oh, at this moment. And I actually get lost. And it's supposed to be a quick, like two or three mile run. And I think I'm like able to track where I'm going, but I can't see the street signs. And I just moved to St. Louis. So it's like, I don't know the area very well. And I can't even see it's dark out. It's no one's up. It's three 30 in the morning. And I, so I get lost and then I kind of pull out my phone, try to use Google maps. I'm like, Holy cow. I'm like five miles away from home somehow. Oh, I don't wow. even know how this happened. Yeah. Uh, so, and because it was so early, it was finals. It's like, I have to get home. <laughs> I got to get home and shower to take a final exam or else I will fail. Yeah. And then, but I was like, I don't want to wake anybody up because it's finals, like any of our housemates or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so I ran, walked a total of like six and a half miles and got home in time to shower and, and get to the final. Uh, but while I was like, after that run, I was like, holy cow, I just ran six and a half miles. Like that was supposed to be two miles. I went way further than I thought I could. Yeah. Um, Under the worst possible conditions. (laughs) Right. And so me being competitive, eventually I got on the idea of running a half marathon. Um, And that's kind of what really started the ball 
uh, getting the ball rolling was that. So originally, though, when I first started, it was around one to three miles was kind of what I started. But uh, I got and that's kind of where your realm is, right? Is like around mm-hmm. three miles, right, Grady? Yeah, that's that's my uh, money spot right there. Is just that three miles is really where I keep it all the time um, because it's right at that like 25, 30 minute mark, depending on how fast I want to run at that point. But um, yeah, it's the sweet spot for me. That's where I get all the benefits out of the running and really nothing too adverse. Like it's not stressing my body too much, but stressing my body enough to where um, I'm getting the health benefits out of the exercise portion of it. Mm-hmm. So you you're thinking about it as both like it's this run is going to be beneficial for me, but there's definitely you acknowledge a point of running where it could damage your body, mm-hmm. and just uh, at the same time it's like okay, my blood sugar can be easily in check. I'm getting the benefits, not hurting my body. This is where I want to be. Yeah, exactly. Is that kind yeah, of the reason. Yeah, it makes it because I know and I know you're going to cover this um, in detail, but after you know after so long the management of your blood sugar gets to be very complicated because you're stressing your body out to where now you have stress hormones that are playing a role in where your blood sugar is at. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've also got the uh, fact that you're burning a lot of glucose and you're activating those glute four receptors, which is getting sugar into the cells, which is lowering your blood sugar. Um, mm-hmm. And so you're kind of in that balancing act and you're, you gotta see, you know, where, where is your body teeter tottering around? Is it, is it now spiking high or is it going low? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of why I keep it at that three mile mark because it's pretty consistent for me. Um, at that three, within that three miles, it's going to drop. And I know about how much it's going to drop. I usually drink a juice box right before I go. You know, that's mm-hmm. if my blood sugar is at a good spot, I'll drink a juice box. And then so what's, that a, what's that a good spot? What does that mean? So, you know, within the normal you know, positive ranges. So if it's anywhere from, I would say 80 to like 140, I'll drink a juice box. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's lower than 80, then I might drink two juice boxes. Okay. Um, to make sh- just to make sure I don't drop low in the middle of it, because obviously mm-hmm. you gotta. The way I run is I run a loop. So if I'm running, you know, that far out then I need to make it back. And if I don't have anything with me, which I normally don't, cause I'm like, ah, if it's only three miles, I can make it back. Sure. And sure. Um, so, you know, I want to make sure I'm not going to drop low in the middle of it. So I, um, at the end of the day, I'm like, well, I'll, I'll, I can error on the high side if I need to. Cause for the most part, it will continue to drop. Most often for me, it will continue to drop after I'm done with the run. Um, okay. So I'm not too worried about it if it's high when I get back or, you know, yeah. somewhat high when I get back because okay. it's going to kind of continue to drop. So for you, a mile, two miles, three miles, do you really, do you go more than three miles normally? Not normally. Occasionally I'll go like three and a half to four, depending on like if I go to a different route, like there's a uh, park that's close by that's like a 3.7 mile loop or you can do like mm-hmm. a, a little over four mile loop. And so- okay if I do those, but some, there's been like very few occasions where, um, I've gone six miles. Like sometimes I'll run the loop twice. 
Yeah. <laughs> you, we will slowly like, convert you. You. Count, you can count that on one hand. I'm, <laughs> I'm still not crazy enough to do a uh, half or a full marathon. Uh, okay. So anyways, so for the most part, your range, your average range is one to four miles. Mm-hmm. And you would say that when you run that range, you pretty much without fail or expecting for your blood sugar to lower, continue to go down after the run. Mm-hmm. And oh, wow. Okay. Um, so you're not, you're fine if it goes high during it with those two juice boxes, cause you know, it's going to dip low afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll usually with those juice boxes, I'll usually wait like 10 minutes to, to make sure that the juice boxes is kicking in when I'm starting okay. running, especially if it's kind of on that low end, I mm-hmm. want to make sure that that, that sugar is kicking in when I need it. Now, what if you are good or you're even high, but you know you're dropping low or you're dropping high? What if the rate is not steady before your run? Well, what, that's, I guess, I'm almost more curious about your strategies for that. If your rate is not steady before the run, what, what is your thoughts? Yeah, so on the low side, so if I'm dropping low or I feel like I'm dropping low mm-hmm. before a run, I'm going to try and make sure I'm stabilized before I go. So okay. I'm going to drink a juice box, maybe two, depending on how low I'm dropping, mm-hmm. and wait until that starts coming up. And when and so I'll keep kind of checking my blood sugar. If I don't have a CGM, um, I'll keep checking my um, you know finger sticks and wait for it to get probably above um, 120. And then I'll head out because then I know it's on the way up. So because when it's dropping low like that, I don't want to get out like a mile, two miles, and then just like feel this crap, another crash again and be like, oh, crap, like I'm going to have a hard time. What about if you're if you're going high? Like if you were, I mean, you never have a double arrow, supposedly, or whatever, or triple (laughs) arrow. I don't know. The robot. Yeah. um for all for all those who don't have pumps or essentially means this blood sugar doesn't rise fast enough where the the pump it doesn't say it's not going up or really up or really really up it's just going up yeah uh, which is uh, kind of rare for most people like some, there's always something that maybe people encounter that will make them go have a very high fast climb or drop down but mm-hmm. um, so if your if your rate is going up if your blood sugar is kind of rising uh, what, what's your thoughts before the run? So if it's rising, it all depends on where I'm at when it's rising. So if it's like on that threshold of my good, so like the 140 range, 150 range, and it's going up, Mm -hmm. um, that's probably the hardest decision right there is like, is it going to keep going up high enough to where I'm going to balance it out with the run or do I need to drink a juice? So um, with that, I'll probably wait until it starts getting up to probably like the, you know, 170, 180 range. And if it gets up to there, then I'm like, okay, I'm good. Like, I'll if it's going to continue from that, or even if it stays at that, I should be fine uh, for three miles. Because like I said, that's um, 20, 30 minutes. Okay. Um, what if you're but, like 250? So 250. Um, How would you do that? 
this is actually one of my strategies of getting my blood sugar to come down very quickly because I, I hate seeing that high number. And so okay. I use exercise to help bring it down quicker. Okay. So what I'll do with that is I'll have the pump calculate how many, how many units I need. And if it's rising at that point, like it's high and it's rising, then I'm going to take the exact amount of units that I need to, like my correction factor. And I'm going to take those units and then go run. Wow. But if it's at that and not really moving at all, so it's high, but it's not really moving too much, mm -hmm. then I'll take probably, probably 50% of that, maybe 75, 50 to 75% of what my correction factor says I should take mm -hmm. and, then, and then go run. Wow. Uh, and I guess probably we should have clarified this first and then I'm going to even kind of back paddle and kind of almost like summarize all the different things we're thinking about right now. Mm -hmm. But when you run, do you have or not have your pump on? When I run, I do have my pump on. So when you're running, you have your pump on. So when you, you give yourself a correction factor in that situation, you still have your pump on. You're, you're coming down and you have two juice boxes, you still have your pump on. Mm -hmm. uh, correct? Yep. You, and so you're not changing anything about your basal rates or any of what your insulin flow is. You're not changing at all. Your pump is on you. It's, it's just going to continue doing its thing. And... Um, and that's, and so that's a constant that you are not changing and you're changing the food around it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. That's a very different approach than what I do. I, I mess around with the pump and the insulin. The reason why I don't is because it's such a short amount of time that I'm running mm -hmm. that okay. I feel like it's, it's just adding too many variables. Whereas I sure. know exactly how much my blood sugar is going to change when I drink a juice box. So, mm. um, it's just easy to say, Hey, I'm going to drink a juice box. It's going to rise up to this and, um, you know, and I'm good. I don't have to worry about, um, plus at the same time, like I said, it's such a short period to where my body doesn't respond that fast to changing my basal rate. Um, okay. so, so 30 minutes, it's not, at least in my mind, it's not worth the mental work to, mm. to do that. Okay. Um, so to kind of summarize already what we've been talking about, as a type one and running, the things you need to think about are, you know, what's my blood sugar at now? What, what do I know if, you know, if I do run, what is the normal pattern? Like you, um, it normally drops low afterwards. Mm -hmm. the, depending on how I've used my insulin, a lot of times it'll go high for me. And, and yeah. that'll, um, but that depends on the run and the insulin and, and how long the run, whatever. But so where you are and what your normal, so where you are and where your normal, um, pattern is of how your blood sugar handles. You then need to think about where you are at that moment. Are you rising or falling, you know, in terms of what your blood sugar is doing. And then based on if you're rising or falling, where your blood sugar is at before the run, you know, do I need to eat? What do I need to change? How long do I need to wait before the run? Mm -hmm. um, for you, you've decided to keep it a constant of your pump on and not messing with the basal rate at all. Um, but then, so, but somebody could maybe think about that as a factor, as a fourth factor. And then maybe a fifth factor then is, um, you know, at least for me, I've experienced, if I was at 250, 
um, I, my blood sugar or even at 300 versus 200, like my blood sugar based on the inflammation in my body uh, will almost act differently on the run. Um, and sometimes it'll go even way up without even consuming anything because yeah. I'm, I'm already that inflamed. Like it's just that much of a stressor. Uh, so it's almost like five different things you can consider before you're even on the run as a yeah. type one diabetic running. Yeah. Right? When I'll even add in another thing, um, because there's probably one more scenario or common scenario um, that I will run into sometimes, which is your stress levels. Mm-hmm. And that can be from, you know, emotional stress, physical stress, or chemical stress, like, you know, fasting or, or, or what have you. Cause that's, mm-hmm. that would probably be the most common thing that I'll see um, when I'm doing like intermittent fasting or maybe some longer fast is my body's in more of a stress state. Um, and it's kicking out a little bit more stress hormones to help keep my blood sugar up. Mm-hmm. And so in those times, that's the only time where I see my blood sugar start to rise during a run um, mm-hmm. because my my body's already in a kind of a stress state and then I put more stress on it and it's kicking out all those stress hormones. So then it, it spikes up. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's also probably another thing that you need to take into account is, mm-hmm. all right, where are my stress levels at and how might that affect my blood sugar? Yeah, absolutely. Um Maybe, maybe I'm just always more stressed than you are, Greg. Maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. that's why my blood sugar goes up. <laughs> yeah, I would say, like, and I think other people that know us would agree. I'm, I'm very parasympathetic, <laughs> and Garrett's very sympathetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why we get along so well. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, and then I'll even throw another one. Is a question I asked earlier is hydration status and humidity. Oh yeah, um, yep. And, you know, what your electrolytes are, you know, that's a very minor in the grand schemes of diabetic and or type one and running. That's almost like a minor thing. That's almost more of a, so all the things we're talking about are in addition mm-hmm. to what a normal runner tries to think about as well, which is yeah. hydration and minerals and, um, and heat and all those types of things and shoes and, you know, your three different arches, of your feet, like all the extra running stuff is on mm-hmm. top of, you know, the diabetes um, but I think that plays a huge factor, you know, how human I am or how dehydrated I am. Um, it's kind of more of a chronic and I think it ultimately plays into the stressor part that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. but I think it, it definitely is something to consider. Like if it's more humid out, I'm going to sweat more and I'm definitely going to, my sugar is definitely going to drop more during a run, mm-hmm. um, than if it's cold out, Yeah, yeah. which is all I'm doing running right now is, <laughs> is running in the dark <laughs> when it's cold, which is. <laughs> I have a hate hate relationship with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just a lot of things to think about. Mm-hmm. So I remember though, when I ran that first half marathon, I, I really wasn't playing a lot with my insulin. So like you, like your strategy for the most part, I just, my insulin was my insulin. I didn't really get a CGM until right before I ran this first half marathon, um, okay. which was in 2017. It was literally like, and I think I got it and part of the motivation was for it because I was almost nervous to be uh, running on a, on the road for 13 miles without like stopping like with, so I didn't have to carry my glucose meter because sometimes yeah. I would run um, eight miles without CGM and I would run it with my glucose meter in my pockets and running with a lot of things in your pockets. Yeah, it's, it's the worst. Uh, so, but so like you, I always had just a constant insulin, um, drip and I didn't change mess with my basal rates but in that half marathon 
Um, I knew my blood sugar would drop low. So I had a couple glucose tabs with me. And then I think I had like two, like, I don't even remember what brand it was. It wasn't goo, but I had some sugary water liquid for the purpose of low blood sugar. Like that was mm-hmm. the purpose I had them up. And within a couple months, like, I think I was nervous. I think I was like, I, this was a couple of years ago, so I don't remember all the details. My blood sugar was like 170 um, prior to the run. And I've learned since that. For me, if I'm like, I now never bolus. Uh, I will never bolus going in a run anymore. It's just like, I, I just don't do it. Uh, yeah. because especially when you run longer distances, it just makes it so much more tricky. Oh, yeah, um, man. I'd rather change the basal rates and this is why when you're running longer distances you can mess with the drip the basal rate it's because when you're running you have increased heart rate like Mm -hmm. at that moment and we've mentioned on on the podcast before when you have that drip and your heart rate goes up the rate at which the blood moves around your body is also increasing by definition Mm -hmm. so what's in your blood is moving at a fast rate by definition and the insulin that's in your blood is going to bind to the receptors faster with a higher heart rate than it is compared to a lower heart rate. Mm -hmm. So by changing the insulin basal rate, if you have a pump now, obviously if you're doing injections and like 12 hour and 24 hour, like Lantus or other types of, you know, insulins that are longer lasting, this doesn't really apply to you. This is more for pump users, but if you then change your basal rates, it because you are moving your blood around, it's going to actually have different effects. If you run with a, a 25% basal compared to a 125% basal, you're going to use a lot of insulin really fast and drop really low, mm-hmm. or you can maybe sustain and prevent the low from happening. Yep. Um, so that's part of the, the thought process, at least why I um, mess around with basal rates now. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, back to the story of the half marathon. So, I had these two sugary drinks um, with me, and I think it was like by mile six, I, uh, since I was 170, I bolus before the run. So I start running, uh, and I notice it's drop. It's starting to go down. It's starting to drop. And so I'm like, okay, like by mile two or three, I'm sure I had a couple of glucose tabs. I don't even think I had a full like 10 in the, in the cylinder. I think I only had a couple. And so I had like a couple glucose tabs, and it still kept going down. So I had one of the juices, and, and it, it just kept going down. And I was like at 63 and I think I just got to like the six and a half or like this, you know, the 6.6, whatever the halfway mark was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was clapping, I was sharing, I was trying to like encourage everyone around me that like we're at the halfway mark because it was literally, it was in Chicago and you'd run to this one point and then we, you turn around and then kind of run back at a different, to see a different part of the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I'm still going down. And part of the motivation that I had between that one moment I described when I first started getting running and running the half marathon was that because I hated running, running was always a punishment for me uh, growing up when it comes to sports and wrestling. So that's why I hated it. Mm-hmm. And I, I've gotten to a point at this in chiropractic school that it was, I realized I had to address my fears and I didn't want to ever, I, I no longer want to be suffocated by my fears and running was one of those fears and so i wanted to use this moment not only to conquer a fear of running but also then to metaphorically have a moment in my brain say hey i conquered a fear like running can't control me anymore. yeah um 
So that was part of the motivation of doing this half marathon. So as I'm at the halfway point, around six miles, the my blood sugar is still going down, and I'm like, I'm out of sugar. <laughs> I'm out, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And when you're running a race like that, an official race, there's medical tents, and I think I saw an official. It wasn't. It was like a water station. It wasn't a medical tent. They didn't have. They had some Gatorade, um, but they didn't have like any sugar or anything like that. And I was like, how? Like how far until the like? I stopped and I was like, when's the next medical tent? The person tells me the next medical tent where they would have some kind of sugar or Cliff Bar or something. It's three miles away. I'm like, that's 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 my situation. Yeah, that's a long ways. And at this point, I continue to drop. I think my blood sugar got as low as 39 as I was running. And at this point, I was walking and running. Part of me was like, I need to keep running because I need to get there Mm. before my blood sugar gets too low. Um, And then obviously, part of me was like, Garrett, don't be an idiot. You can't run because your blood sugar is low. Mm. But I told myself, because this was something I committed to combat fear, I was as silly as this sounds, but I I was like, I literally, this is my situation. And if I'm going to die, so be it. But I'm going to finish this race, number one. And I'm definitely going to get to at least this medical tent. That was my mindset. Like, I literally thought if I die, I die. But I'm going, I I literally can do nothing else but try to get to the medical tent. Mm -hmm. Like, as, as, um, dramatic as that sounds yeah i always have the same mindset when i'm on one of my runs and like mm-hmm. it hits me like halfway through like i get to the halfway mark and i'm like yeah. oh crap like i'm low and i'm dropping fast mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm yeah. like oh should i like walk i'm like no because i might be out here longer so i'm right. just gonna power through it and if i make it i make it <laughs> yeah. there was there was one it was actually i think the the weekend that we moved into you know, the, what the house, you're now house. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran like, I did like a 16 mile run and it was like super humid. Oh and, yeah. And I ran and my, I had low blood sugar, but also because of the humidity, it was a really weird sensation. I now like notice this sometimes when I'm running and I have low blood sugar. Um, but my suboccipital muscles, so the muscles right at the base of your skull for anybody who doesn't know, um, they got like very loose in my head was like jostling, like moving up and down. Like I didn't have control of stability of my skull as I was running with low blood sugar. It was a very like interesting feeling. And then I recently read something about how your suboccipital muscles, um, and there's something about suboccipital muscles and GLUT4, and it had like more GLUT4 receptors than other muscle types or something. It was an interesting observation that I had at that moment when I was low and running that my suboccipital muscles were getting loose. Yeah. Yeah. At the old house, I had like kind of a similar scenario where, um, this was on a longer run cause it was, the loop was, I think like four and a half miles at the old house. Mm-hmm. And, um, like I was, I was dropping low on the way back and I'm like, well, it's pretty much all downhill. Like, so I should be fine. And if anything, I can just roll down the hill. <laughs> but um, like as I'm running, like I'm dropping low and I'm like, man, I'm really low. Cause like at a certain point I felt like 
I, it was almost like an out of body experience to where it's like, it was almost in auto mode. And like, mm-hmm. like I f- almost felt like I couldn't feel my legs. Mm-hmm. It was like a weird sensation to where like I, my legs were moving, but I wasn't telling my legs to move. Um, so yeah, yeah. Weird, weird, low blood sugar stuff ha- can happen. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's almost like more of like a runner's high. I, I mean, you have low blood sugar, but it's kind of what, sometimes runners high feels like you're just like yeah. mode. like your your legs are moving and you don't feel like they're moving like okay great this is awesome like i'm just not doing anything i'm just mm-hmm. moving. um so so yeah low blood sugars definitely like at that moment was part of the realization that i now have that i personally don't give boluses right before a run so if i'm like high before a run especially if it's gonna be like a longer run like I definitely don't bolus. I wait till I come down. Like if I have to bolus, I'll I'll wait till most of the insulin's out, and I'll kind of adapt my day. Mm-hmm. Um, again, but it kind of depends on the situation. Uh, so it's it's very interesting that you keep you continue to keep your pump on because I've definitely found ways around that. Um, but it was after that half marathon for me that. It took, I think it took maybe a month time because I was actually surprised because I think I did a, a 16 week training program or 12 week training program, I think for the half marathon, the first time I can't remember exactly. Super nervous beforehand. Um, very ex- excited and proud that I finished, but I wasn't nearly as sore as I thought it was going to be. And I was, when you're, I was clearly a clear sign that, you know, my training was suffice. Like my body could handle that stress. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm not sore at all. Like it was St. Patty's day weekend. And after I, I went and stood <laughs> up all day and all weekend and continued to drink free beer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways. Um, so I think it took maybe a month or so total time to really toy with the idea of doing a full marathon. And so this is not even a full year at this point of me running, but what, pushed me over the edge debating in my head, like, Oh, like I did half marathon. It's literally that just doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, that doesn't sound too bad. It wasn't that bad. And, um, but what did it for me was my anniversary date of being diabetic is June 23rd, um, is the date. And I remember I was scrolling through Instagram one morning and I was, you know, I follow the American diabetes associations page and, and I saw an advertisement for the Chicago Marathon that said 26.2 for the 29.1 million Americans with diabetes at the time. There's more than that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. You know, like, so the ADA had, has a, you know, a running team, like a lot JDRF does and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of look into the description a little more and the deadline to join their team and be a fundraiser for the, you know, somebody who, who's doing to raise money for the ADA, it was June 23rd. Mm. And at that, that was, I think it was my second term of chiropractic school. And I was really trying to figure out at that moment, you know, what did I really want to do with my life and my profession and, and who I wanted to see and how I was going to like kind of try to shape the rest of the my career. Um, and I was kind of digging on this idea of like, you know, having a diabetes focused practice and, and working with other diabetics and connecting with other diabetics. And I was literally thinking about this the night before, like it was kind of, kind of like coming <laughs> together literally the night before. And I was having all this thought energy and, you know, this universal energy towards this idea of trying to be more involved with a diabetic community. 
literally the next morning I see this, the 26.2 for the 29.1 million Americans. And the last deadline to sign up is my anniversary date for being diagnosed with type one diabetes. It's like, that's it. Meant to be. <laughs> it was meant to be. I did. I don't know if I'm what this means, but sign me up. Sure. And I signed up to, to, <laughs> to run it without realizing, Oh, I have to run a marathon, <laughs> you know, there's, and so, uh, I signed up then to raise money for the American diabetes association. And I think I had to raise a minimum of $2,500 and I ended up raising $2,800 or so. And nice. which was a really grateful experience and was yeah. all, um, through friends and family and a couple of random people. And I did it through social media and, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and, and that was really heartwarming, um, for a lot of other reasons too, that were going on in my life, but we'll keep it focused on, you know, on, on this, on the running and diabetes part. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. Um, and so I was training <laughs> and training for a marathon for the first time was very, uh, as a diabetic was very scary because every like long run was, another mile longer I've never done before. Yeah. And I was like, how, like, how am I going to, how's my blood sugar going to act now? Like what's going to happen now? Yeah. What's going to change? What? Yeah. How's my body going to react to this one? And you know, the, the idea, the runners, the, the normal runners mentality of carbo loading versus being a diabetic. Yeah. How does that really work? <laughs> it tried to consume whey protein still at the time, not really understanding how whey affects me yet. Yeah. So like doing, all this crazy stuff and taking 36 and a half credits at the same time. Like, I mean, it was just a lot, you know, every time I've run a marathon, it's always been like the most stressful part of my life, <laughs> including right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just how it goes. Anyways. Um, so kind of keeping in focus to the blood sugar aspect. It was what I realized for me running was that initially within an hour, around an hour time frame. So, a total time of 60 minutes or maybe around six miles or, you know, or six and a half miles, somewhere around 60 minutes is really my biggest window to, for my blood sugar to drop. And that's like a, a period now that I realize that if I can overcome that, I can be stable for pretty much the most of the run. Um, so how I approach the beginning of the run is the biggest challenge. And afterwards I can keep it pretty stable. Um, but it all depends on the factors we mentioned earlier. Do I have insulin on board already? How, what was my blood sugar beforehand? Did I eat beforehand? Did I not eat beforehand? Was I fasting beforehand? Um, all those things matter. And then how I change my insulin then, you know, matters. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of explaining that for a little bit of a mechanism. And you already kind of mentioned it. So, and we've mentioned it in the past, but when you're running, you're activating, it's an aerobic activity and you're going to translocate or move more glute for receptors or and um those doors to the cell to the surface of your muscle cells so you're going to lower your blood sugar because you now have more doors for glucose to get into your muscles mm-hmm. um, and that's really prominent around that first for me especially in that first hour and even more especially in the first 30 to 45 minutes right around that three to four and a half mile mm-hmm. and when i first started running i was running at like 10 minute pace 10 and a half minute pace per mile nine and a half if i got really lucky yeah um, and that's when it really when i started so it was really easy it was like a mile is like 10 mi- 10 minutes so like that's really easy yeah. to calculate you know those types of things mm-hmm. um but for so i can get this dipping effect but now i've realized when i run more than an hour or six miles that 
it kind of starts to come back. And I'm not really sure if that's because you stop. You, it's probably uh, for both reasons, but I'm not 100% sure if that's because you stop translocating GLUT4 receptors on your muscle cells. Like the rate at which you're producing GLUT4 and utilizing GLUT4 is less, I don't know. But as well as you have more stress hormones, you're having more epinephrine. Um, even that we're type 1 diabetics, we still have glucagon. And we still have alpha cells in our pancreas. Um, so is glucagon being released? Um, is cortisol, which also can raise blood sugar. Growth hormone from your pituitary gland, you know, can raise your blood sugar, um, which, which also resembles insulin growth-like factor hormones. And so you can start to have all these, uh, like there's a lot of hormones then that around six miles start to kick in that can raise your blood sugar, which is a natural response. If your blood sugar normally dips down, which it will probably for most people, like even without diabetes, your body's going to need some kind of response to bring it back up. Mm -hmm. And if you're continuing to run, um, the stimulus is still there, still burning the calories. You're still doing the aerobic exercise and burning the ATP, burning that energy. And so your body then has these other hormones that kind of lift it back up. Mm -hmm. If you have your pump on during that whole time, not changing your basal rates, and you're dropping low, you know, you might actually see your blood sugar go up a little bit during that time frame. If you're not so changing. after that, like hour mark, or mm -hmm. at least for you, after that mm -hmm. hour mark is when you, if you don't change your basal rates at all, it starts to go, go back up. Correct. Okay. And so since how, what I do now to combat and manage my blood sugar when I run is I change basal rates right off the bat. Okay. And so because I know right away, I'm going to have the greatest effect of dropping low. I normally change my basal rate right away. I don't, I normally don't like to eat before I run. Mm -hmm. So if I can 15 minutes, 30 minutes, I'll try to change my basal rates, maybe like 50% of what I'm currently do, like at. And then depending on where I'm at at that point, I might keep it at 50% or I might go as low as 30, sometimes 25% of my normal basal rate for that first 30 or 45 minutes. And this is why it's really important to have a CGM or at least ability to check your blood sugar. I used to, before I had a CGM or I also knew I was a runner once I bought a fanny pack <laughs> and I started running with a fanny pack. Um, Cause when I didn't have a CGM, I would use a fanny pack and I would use a meter in the fanny pack to check my blood sugar. But anyways, so I would then start modifying my basal rates throughout the run. And that's what I do now. So within that, First hour, I'm playing with a low basal rate normally and a lower basal rate from anywhere from 25%, 50%, maybe a little bit higher depending on the situation. But then I know around that six mile mark, hour mile mark, there's a good chance my blood sugar is going to start to rise. So I might bring it back to 100%. More than likely, I probably bring it to 80%. Um, there are some times where I'll now bring it to like 120% for a little bit of time. Oh, okay. Just to kind of get a little more insulin in me, but then I'll bring it back down. But then it becomes a quick check to see what my blood sugar is doing um, via my pump and then changing my basal rate at the spot. And knowing that it's going to kind of take some time and I can kind of play around with that while I'm running. Okay. So are you, I've always been curious, when you're doing all this, are you like mid run, like in your mm -hmm. stride, you're looking at your pump and... And figuring this out or are you stopping and like trying to figure it out it depends uh it depends on if i want a break or not <laughs> um and if i then if i 
<laughs> my rule is while I'm training, uh, I'll I'll hit the pause of my whatever app I'm using if I've checked my blood sugar or something yeah. like that. So that way my ego is spared a little <laughs> bit instead of stopping. Um, but if I'm in a race, which I, in reality I've only done four races. I've only done one 5K, one half marathon, and two full marathons. Okay. <laughs> so, so it really hasn't happened that much. But a lot of times if I want to keep the momentum, I will try to like keep running and like pull my pump out as I'm running. I would say maybe like 60% of the time I'll stop and I'll quickly check and look at it. Um, and then 40, 45% of the time it'll be uh, keeping on running. Okay. Um, so you need to be able to, that's why having CGM is great. Now, obviously if I didn't have a CGM, I would stop and I would check my blood sugar. Mm. Um, and then I would modify from there. Um, but I also try not to use that because then I could get that as use it as an excuse to stop. Mm. And then separating the dive, you know, my diabetes brain from just my, Garrett brain that's running it's like you know I don't want to use excuses as much as I can to like stop my run just because I'm tired like part of the the fun and challenge of running is pushing past your limits and mm -hmm. and continuing with momentum um that, that's going on at the moment and so I try not to use it as an excuse because I definitely have um, yeah. in the past like uh, I should check my blood sugar. My mom's like, you know exactly what your blood sugar is at. Like, you don't need to. But I'm like, oh, I kind of do. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, sometimes I stop, sometimes I don't. Um, but so leading up to this, my very first marathon, Chicago Marathon, I freaked out the night before. I got so many nerves beforehand, and there was so there were so many emotions of building of having so many people support me, both like emotionally financially because I raised money mm -hmm. like and I was so loud about this about training for this like there was a lot of pressure oh yeah <laughs> and, and I was like so many people did their part in raising money for the American Diabetes Association with and for me I was like all right now it's finally time to do my part like I've yep. done all the training but now it's time to actually do the race and I got nerves nervous and I was like for whatever reason that morning I decided I was like Maybe it was a combination of my pump wasn't already working. I didn't want a new insertion site. Mm -hmm. I really can't remember, but I just decided no pump. Yeah. <laughs> Which this whole time during training uh, for my normal, normally my rule is I don't take my pump off unless it's like, if it's a one or two mile run, I'll take my pump off. Yeah. But if it's three miles or more, I'll keep my pump on and just change the basal rates. But it's like, nope, I decided not to have my pump off and my blood sugar skyrocketed. Uh, it started around again, like 170. And I think I ended the, the, the marathon, like 450 or something. Like oh my goodness. And it, it was kind of stable around 200. It would kind of go down a little bit, but then I would accidentally grab Gatorade instead of water. Oh, and then because my blood sugar was high, I was like, I know I don't have electrolytes right now. So I was like, I kind of need the Gatorade, but it's got the sugar in it. And so between that and then just the hormones and it was, oh man, it was a human, it was a human day. Oh my gosh. Day in October. It was like, it just rained like all day the night before and the day before. And so it was just, the sun was out. It was just steamy. Yeah. And um, so my blood sugar was super high during it. Um, and I think that's actually probably what kind of damaged, um, you know, I, I have some heart trouble now and I think that kind of played a role in it a little yeah. bit. Well, I mean, like I was just thinking like, not only do you have the damage of running a marathon, Mm -hmm. But you have the damage of high blood sugar and mm. and all all that comes with that because you're going to be more dehydrated even mm -hmm. even with running a marathon you're going to be even more dehydrated because your body's trying to flush all the sugar out too. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I'm just like, oh my god, what a what a dis- disaster <laughs> metabolically. Oh, it was it was so bad. I don't think I went to the bathroom for like four days afterwards. <laughs> oh my <laughs> metabolically, god, metabolically, my body was like, what's going on? Yeah, uh, but um, I, I finished. I powered through. There were lots of thoughts to power through. Right because of the whole non-pump thing, I hit the wall. So for anyone who's not familiar with running, um, there's something called the wall, which is just like the both a mental and physical block um, mm. that you just run into, um, where it's just the run just becomes infinitely like and dramatically harder for whatever reason. Um, and I hit that at 13 miles. So literally at the halfway point. Oh man. Uh, and even that I already ran like 20, did a 20 mile run, you know, beforehand leading up to the training. It was like, that, <laughs> that was my body. <laughs> it was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, so I, I was able to finish the run in, in all the pain that I was in. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, I learned a lot of lessons from that, but, and I was very, I was proud of myself and I, I did feel so, um, so much gratitude for all the people that supported me and the gratitude for my body for being able to adapt and do that and being a diabetic and doing that and, and raising money and just being around so many people. The Chicago Marathon is a great marathon to run for the first time because there's just so many people and it's just very supportive atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it, it's never like hurt me, like in terms of my emotion, but it was like, I I felt almost like a phony in that, you know, here I am trying to be an advocate for diabetes and I raise money for diabetes, but during the event, I was not controlling my diabetes. Yeah. And that was part of the motivation for signing up for a second marathon was I wasn't going to raise money, but I was going to prove to myself. My two goals for signing up the second marathon was not walking at all and controlling my blood sugar. Um, way better. And so training for that second marathon, um, I, that's where I learned a lot of this stuff about, you know, the hour mark for me and Mm -hmm. changing my basal rates more. And I just became so much more invested in understanding how the epinephrine changed, um, everything when, because of the glucagon and the epinephrine, how that's going to release my glycogen, my glycogen storage is I played with my diet way more, um, this time, the second time around. And, I was able to, I still have it saved, but so I ran my second marathon a year later and my blood sugar was, was so much more dialed in. I think my average was like 127 for all like four and a half (laughs) hours. That's a heck of a difference. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, You know, there's points when it got a little bit low, but there were kind of went high. I think I made one mistake of where I did like give myself like a unit of bolus. Um, because I thought I was gonna, I thought I was about to spike high mm. between the glucose tabs and the adrenaline I had at that point, uh, and that kind of got me a little bit low. But I was able to still stabilize. But I, in reality, my training was way less um, the second time around because of the stress that I had going on with school and mm-hmm. was taking way more credits. I was way more involved. Um, but and I bring this up solely because having my blood sugar get in control and training less shaved almost 30 minutes off my time. Yeah, that's huge. And I really do think that's mostly because of my blood sugar control. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's, I did not train in a better way. If anything, I was training less. I was skipping yeah. runs. Like uh, I was, there were so many other factors at that moment compared to the first moment. Uh, and so looking back, I think just controlling my blood sugar was 
able for me as an athlete to perform way better. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about that before of how mm-hmm. blood sugar can affect performance. And I think it does that in many different ways because the obvious one is, you know, metabolically you're working more efficiently because your blood sugar is in a good spot and you're getting insulin and sugar into the cells. But at the same time, you know, mentally you're doing a lot better too, because not only mentally in the fact that, Hey, my, I'm looking at my pump, my blood sugar is good. That's like a good feeling in and of itself and positive and uplifting. But then also Mm -hmm. the fact that you're not like miserable and running on top Mm -hmm. of that, because obviously when your blood sugar is that high, you're just, you feel miserable and not only (laughs) are you feeling miserable because your blood sugar is high, but you've just ran like a bunch of miles and Mm -hmm. now that's just compounding the misery. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't hit the wall till mile 21 the second time around. Oh, wow. So, so again, and I, the wall probably has a lot to do more with your metabolism mm-hmm. than it does have to do with your mental training. Yeah. Um, cause mile 13 versus mile 21. Again, this is anatomical. This is just my experience mm-hmm. purely. Um, it would be interesting to see literature. I'm sure there is out there of like when runners report hitting the wall, um, in that kind of aerobic, um, exercise, but it's just, yeah, it's it's totally crazy. Like my my legs were so stiff. Yeah, <laughs> I was my ba- my back was the first thing to cramp and go stiff. Wasn't my legs the first marathon? Wasn't my legs? It was my back, my erectors, which mm-hmm. is just kind of interesting when you think about it. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, switching gears a little bit here. Mm-hmm. So you ran, you know, the two marathons, mm-hmm. and now you've signed up for another marathon. <laughs> um. <laughs> My curiosity is, you know, you've got into running. You used to hate running. Now mm-hmm. you're friends with running again. Yeah, at the moment. Well, yeah, yeah, at the moment. Um, what has kept you running? Like, why do you keep running? Um, is it because of what it does for your diabetes? Is it, um, or is it other factors? Oh, man, I didn't think you'd ask me this question. <laughs> That's such a emotional question for runners yeah. <laughs> um so yeah uh, uh it's almost a superficial reason right now is for the diabetes is for the blood sugar control mm-hmm. and i say almost superficial because i know like i've learned so much now on how to manage my insulin mm-hmm. that i don't necessarily need it like i don't use running the way you do like i don't go high i'm like i need to go for a run mm-hmm. like that's not my my thought is i'm high I'll take some berberine and some insulin. (laughs) Yours is probably a more natural approach than taking that herb. Um, But anyways, so, so it is for insulin sensitivity. Like I do notice overall, I'm more sensitive to insulin at that point. Um, And I do like how my body feels when I'm running more. Um, Mm. Just my, my lungs, my diaphragm, my connection to my body, just my proprioception, like my awareness of everything. Um, so on a superficial in terms of body reasoning, I do do it for that. Um, but, uh, I'm very goal driven as well. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why I signed up for this marathon was like, again, I was kind of debating, do I want to do a third one or do I kind of want to like only stick to half marathons? Um, and this marathon is April 11th and it's going to be two weeks prior to graduating chiropractic school. Mm. and so the the silly metaphorical person i am and the things that i do <laughs> in my mind i was like this marathon is going to <laughs> represent 
all of chiropractic school and all the struggles that I've had in these three and a half, four years and all the, all the blood, sweat and just frustration is all going to be represented in this run. And, um, and I was like, if I fail this run and if I don't meet my goal, cause I'm actually running for a goal this time, not just finishing in the blood sugar, not walking, but I'm actually trying to run for time. And so I'm okay. trying for the very first time to do a sub four hour marathon um, which is an average pace of 909 or less um, per mile. And um, so I've never done for that, which is a totally different mindset of training. When I first started running, it was just get the run, get the miles in. It doesn't matter the time, you know, like your ego, my ego kind of cared about the time. I was like, just get it, get the miles in. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I have to keep a pace at certain times. I have to, it's much more, um, of a run, like a, just a runner mindset of trying to figure out how to improve your speed. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to avoid that. Cause just like how I had a fear of running, it was like, I conquered the fear of running because the speed didn't matter. But now it's like, I haven't conquered the fear of putting myself out there of saying, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I could fail and it not happen. And, and you know, and just put it out there. In that yeah. Way. So, you've conquered the fear of, just running, but now conquering the fear of competing at running. Right. Um, so, you know, being goal driven person, that, that's, that's partly also why I signed up for this, but why I, I continue running, even if I didn't have this marathon and I would continue to run is there is a certain, there's a certain feeling of just being free with running. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially being diabetic, you know, I've kind of talked about sometimes I feel like the pump can anchor you down. Right. Yeah. And when you, when I do run without anything, so when I run, it's like I put my, whatever clothes I am, it's, you know, like 20 degrees sometimes mm-hmm. when I run or, or lower now, cause it's the winter time and training for an April marathon compared to a summer marathon, totally different mindset too. Um, but I put on whatever gear I need to put on, get a fanny pack that has like two goos in it a goo in my pocket, glucose tabs, my ID keys. Like I have so many things on me that I'm my pump and I have my phone. And so even with that, there's a feeling of being free, but there's a certain human feeling of just not having anything on you, including your pump. And especially, and I think that is important as a diabetic to feel sometimes I'm just literally going out there and feeling not like an animal, but just feeling nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. not because you want to be numb. It's not that you feel, it's more like you're embracing the moment and the trees and, or the cars and just everything around you. And that, that moment doesn't happen all the time. Um, but when those moments happen, they are beautiful. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then the feeling of just conquering goals and doing things you never thought you could do, um, are, are great feelings and just being in love with those moments too. As well as then the fust- letting out the frustrations of life too. There was a specific run in my mind that I remember. Um, I think it was supposed to be longer, but because it was raining and I allowed to do this was training for my first marathon. Um, I ended up only running like two miles and it was just pouring rain. But I was like, you know, I got to get some kind of mileage in post mm-hmm. of whatever I'm going to run two miles. And I remember being frustrated and kind of nervous too, for not raising money for the American Diabetes Association and, plenty and being frustrated my blood sugar at the time too. And man, I was just sprinting up this hill with this rain pelting against me. And I was just like, 
you know, there's just sometimes even I don't think I would wish away my diabetes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like in the grand picture of things, there's still moments when I wish I didn't have diabetes. Yeah, right? yeah. And man, I was like, I was sprinting up this hill, rain pelting against my face. It's like, if I, if all I had to do was run and not be diabetic, I would do it in a heartbeat. You know, like at that yeah. moment, that's all yeah, I was like, thinking about. How much easier would this be if I could mm-hmm. just run? Right. And reality, no one has that. Even like type type two isn't even that simple in, in reality. But it was like, my mind was like, if all I had to do was just, it's like swearing in my, I was just like letting it all out in my hand, just all the frustrations. Um, and that felt, that was a very healthy release, um, I think. And and so you've, moments like that. So when it comes to even just the, the fun moments of just feeling euphoric and feeling free to accomplishing goals, to letting off frustrations. Um, I think these are the three real reasons why I have fallen in love with running. Um, and uh, marathons, I don't, <laughs> I said I would never run a marathon and here I'm running my third marathon. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say I will never do an ultra run, but <laughs> so I've tried not to say that very often because <laughs> I don't want to go that far. Yeah. Um, but I think I will always continue to run as long as I can. And I'm going to continue to take care of my joints for those mm-hmm. reasons. Um, so, so why do you continue to run Grady? Um, yeah. So I think mine have a lot to do with just purely health reasons. Um, I think the biggest part is my diabetes. Um, cause like you said, my, um, insulin sensitivity becomes way, you know, way more increased and therefore I don't have to take as much insulin. Um, my, it seems like my blood sugar is a little bit easier to control and that's, and that's in regards to like throughout the whole day. Like if I'm consistently running like three or four times a week that, you know, my blood sugar stays much more in range, um, versus when, um, I'm not running that often. Uh, because my body body is just way way more efficient at at metabolism Mm -hmm. and at the same time it really helps with like i've talked about before with bringing down my blood sugar um that's my that's my favorite time to run is when my blood sugar is high because um, i know by the time i get done my blood sugar is going to be in range um and it's it's can sometimes be a good motivator because sometimes i'm like uh, I don't really want to run, but then I'll check my blood sugar and it's like, uh, it's getting high. I better, I better go run. Mm-hmm. Um, and even sometimes like, I'll like wake up in the morning. Cause usually I run, um, in the morning mm-hmm. and, um, you know, before I eat, cause I don't really like eating beforehand and I'll drink a juice box to get ready for it. And then I'm like talking myself out of running <laughs> yep. and then I'm like, and like, and sometimes I'll get to a point where I like, I did talk myself out of running and then I'll remember, mm-hmm. oh crap, I already drank a juice box. Nope. I got to go. <laughs> I'm committed. <laughs> yep. And yeah. amazingly, one, one effect that I didn't really think would happen is my appetite. My appetite like is much more suppressed when I'm running, like, and not like, obviously when you're running, you're not that hungry, but like after I'm running. That completely depends on how long you're running. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but like the rest of the day, I feel like my appetite isn't as um, like 
crazy because I'm like always wanting to eat. Like always, <laughs> I always want to eat something. Yeah. Whereas when I'm consistently running all the time, I feel like that's not as um, prominent and it's becomes a little bit easier to do my intermittent fasting because I'm not like constantly craving something, um, which is interesting. And I don't really know why that may be, but I'm happy. Mm. I'm happy that it's, it's a thing for me. Mm. That is, that is interesting. Um, and cause it's, you're, you're normally expelling a lot of calories and your metabolic rate is probably pretty high too. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause at the top of your running, you also do jujitsu. You mm-hmm. also, um, are a wrestling coach and, uh, sometimes, sometimes you roll around with wrestling and you mm-hmm. lift and spending a lot of calories. So you feel like your appetite would be increased overall. So it's not saying that you don't have an increase in appetite, but rather you're saying when you feel like you run, your appetite's more controlled. Yes, yes. Gotcha. That's really interesting. Um, I definitely, <laughs> uh, it all depends on the total mileage for me that week. Um, I'm supposed to be around like 30, 35, 40 miles a week right now for my yeah. training. And uh, with just everything going on, I'm probably, you know, just the past two weeks in a row, I've only done my long run. And um, and so my goal is to at least do two other runs plus my long run this week. Mm. But um so if I if I have a lot of mileage during the week, I'm definitely pretty dang hungry. Yeah, but um, so so that's interesting that that you have that effect. And I think it all depends on your body composition and and, and your metabolism. And because I think I think you and I still have, we have somewhat decent or different um, body composition. So therefore, mm-hmm. our metabolism rates are going to be a little different um, as well. And so I'm sure that has a has a part to play in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just know when, when I finish a long run, man, I'm just like, oh, I just want food. <laughs> so, bad. <laughs> so bad. I'll, I'll eat, I'll eat paper if I think it's going to fill me up. <laughs> I haven't done that, but, yeah. um, oh man. So, so yeah, there's a lot to, a lot to consider with running. Um, and you know, you could even, we could even probably make a lecture on specific case situations and what mm-hmm. we do and what, cause there's so many different cases and situations. Your blood sugar is this high, but you got this going on. Or like I was kind of describing in, you know, how I felt free from diabetes on the last episode um, was partly because my blood sugar was super high beforehand, but, and I spent four hours controlling it before my long run, but it ended up being like the best long run I've ever done like mm-hmm. at that, at that moment. And so it's case by case basis, um, especially when you go into different types of mileage or different even um, rates at which you run, different speeds at which you run. Um, You know, are you running hills? Are you running with lots of clothes on? Are you sweating? Mm -hmm. Um, These things all change uh, the situation and then change on how many juice boxes you're going to have. What's your insulin going to be like? Are you going to have your pump on or off? Like all these other things all factor the decisions that as a diabetic and somebody who's running um against you know pretty much type one is what this conversation has been about there's just a lot to consider mm-hmm. there is um, a lot yeah so and, and i've never gotten involved with them but there's a group out there um i follow them and i think every time they've had a meetup when i was in st louis i had something else going on but there's a group called type one run that i follow and sometimes people meet up to do runs and races with and it's all about diabetics 
to get together and run. And so that's something that I've been meaning to, to try to connect with because I think it'd be really cool too because it's always better when you have a community. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun. I've definitely learned a lot about running, but it can definitely be pretty complicated. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, when, yeah, let's kind of wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, we spent <laughs> been a longer episode than we, we, our goal, our goal was to keep these episodes around an hour and this is definitely above an hour. Mm-hmm. So I'll end it with, um, of relevant to this, to this conversation with Grady. So when was the last time you ran and what was your blood sugar like? Let's see. The last time I ran, I think was before I left for the state tournament. So, and that was state wrestling tournament. This past weekend. Yeah, this past weekend. Um, <laughs> so that was, yeah, so that was Wednesday. Um, man, that was, that was so long ago. I was supposed to, I was supposed <laughs> like to run days to, ago. Yeah, I know. I was supposed to run today, but I was really tired. So I ended up just sleeping in. Um, <laughs> unfortunately. I saw um, today, I saw Jocko's post on Instagram. He always posts his watch when he gets up mm-hmm. in the morning. It's normally around 4.30. And he's and it said something like, um, 4.30 a.m. tired, question mark, doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so, well, I'm glad you rest and recoup because that's very yeah. important. But I'll have um, plenty of time tomorrow morning. So I'm, I'm going to hit it hard tomorrow. Um, but I think, I think on Wednesday, it was a scenario where my blood sugar was um, actually sitting pretty good, and so I I ended up drinking a juice box um, beforehand mm. and headed out and seemed like a pretty good run. It, I think it was around like a just above a nine minute pace, so it wasn't too bad. Nice. What about you? So I ran this morning because I didn't sleep in like nah, somebody. You weren't a slacker <laughs> like me. Um, and so my run was pretty was pretty productive. I, um, I technically, I mean, I was I wasn't eating. I mean, I do intermittent fasting for fifteen hours, um, and so I was like, you know, hour ten or something like that into my mm-hmm. fast, which really isn't anything. Um, and so my blood sugar was like. 120 or something like that going into it so i reduced my basal rate it was a five mile run um and uh, it's been a while since i've ran early in the morning it's been a couple of weeks and so i thought it was gonna be way more cold than i thought it was gonna be so i was pretty geared up uh, but my blood sugar was you know between 120 and 100 the whole time um I was dipping dough a little bit and then i should have normally because i get this rebound effect um after you run for me. So mm-hmm. you, I guess I didn't talk about this at all. Um, but quickly, um, a lot of times for me, I get a rebound effect where I'm going to spike high after the run, even d- regardless of how long the run is normally just because of growth hormone mm. and, and epinephrine and glucagon. It's just kind of like, okay, now you have insulin, like it's time to go up. Um, so I was good and I was kind of going low afterwards a little bit, but I knew I was going to come back up, but I ended up spiking like 180. Um, and so as I saw it coming back up, um, at 160, I gave myself like one unit or one and a half units or something like that. And, um, I was able to stabilize throughout, you know, the next couple hours. Nice. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good run. Um, 
and got to see my I got to run throughout the city and find my favorite view of the city so it was good I think uh because I was a little tired this morning I think it was like 901 pace myself um but I'm okay with that pace for yeah. on Monday morning so mm-hmm. anyways all right well thanks everyone for listening hopefully this uh, was valuable um to any type ones out there who are trying to run or do run or anybody who's just a runner or anybody who's not a runner or not diabetic and is listening anyways, we appreciate your ears. Yeah. Yeah. And if you guys have any stories you'd like to add and like to share with us, we'd love to hear them. Um, if you have any questions or, or concerns about um, some challenges that you're having that you maybe want help thinking through and strategizing, um, we'd love to hear them and we'd love to help you out. All right. Till next time, this has been the Die Buddies Podcast. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you found value in today's conversation, we would appreciate it if you gave a five-star review. It really helps us branch out our community and get our message across to those who really need to hear it. If you want to interact with us on social media, you can follow us on the Die Buddies podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or moral outrages, you can email us at thediebuddiespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks.